For as long as we have lived, for as long as we have known, love has carried us. You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at www.genesiscov.org. Enjoy the teaching in it together. This is a reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If I proclaim the gospel, this gives me no ground for boasting, for an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I do not proclaim the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am entrusted with a commission. What then is my reward? Just this that in my proclamation I may make the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. For though I am free with respect to all, I have made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, so that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, so that I may share in its blessings. The word of the Lord. So as usual, the words of St. Paul are crystal clear. So we have our work cut out for us. Um, So I'm reading this book called Wonder. Anyone read Wonder? Yeah, isn't it amazing? Such a, Sean, have you read it? Yeah, amazing. It's about this uh, little kid, fifth grader named Augie, who, uh, because of a really weird chromosomal uh, connection, he, uh, his, his face has, has a pretty severe deformity. And he goes to school. He's been homeschooled his whole life until fifth grade, and he goes to school. And you can imagine the fear that he has, uh, but also that his parents carry sending him to school. And he makes some friends, and then he gets betrayed, and uh, the popular kids, and uh, it's just a tearjerker, makes you laugh, makes you cry, and it gives you a a window into the world of elementary school slash middle school, uh, of the popular kids and what they do, and there's a war that they wage against the friends of Augie and against Augie himself, and it's just... It's like you look at that and you just go, how could anyone be so mean? Well, Aristotle. <laughs> nice transition, huh? Aristotle says this, if there is a Lord, then there is a servant. And if there is a servant, then there is also a Lord. What does Aristotle mean and keep wonder in mind? That's an all-play question, by the way. 
what does Aristotle mean? If there's a Lord, then there is also a servant. And by the way, if there's a servant, then there must be a Lord. Thank you, Matt. If anyone views themselves as superior, then others must be subordinate. And I heard power differential from someone. What else? Yeah, Becca, you said that? Nice. Anyone else? What is Aristotle saying? He's saying middle schoolers are horrible. <laughs> right? I mean, thank God we graduate from that. So uh, the Democrats and Republicans are playing this game right now, aren't they? Super fun. I'm better, you're better, you're terrible, I'm awesome, you guys are terrible. Uh, men and women play this game sometimes. We're superior, no, we're superior. I'm better, you're better, I'm better, I'm more evolved. Employees and supervisors for sure do this. I'm in charge, so I get to say, well, no, I'm actually, I have my rights, so I get to say. And my friend Al, I'll never forget this, he said this thing, he goes, we live life as if we're standing in a line. And to our left are all the people that are inferior to us. And to our right are all the people that are superior to us. And the game is what? Just, just uh, all I got to do is move up one. And I'm, I'm great. I feel great until I start looking at the guy next to me now. Okay, if I could just move up one, then I'd really be great. That's Aristotle's game. If there's a Lord, there has to be a servant. And if there's a servant, there has to be a Lord. It's classic dualism. It's the system. When the Bible talks about the world in any way, that's what it's talking about. The dualistic system of quid pro quo, uh, if you do something for me, that's the only way I'll do something back for you. Now, Martin Luther, who had his good days and bad days, am I right? Let's be honest. Uh, he said this. He wrote this beautiful pamphlet called On the Freedom of a Christian. And he starts it this way. A Christian is an utterly free person, Lord of all, subject to none. Period. But his next sentence is, a Christian is an utterly dutiful person, servant of all, subject to all. So Martin Luther gives a paradoxical teaching of Christian freedom, following Christ and St. Paul, joining Lord and servant into one person. and thereby subverting the system. So if we want to understand that, especially according to this text that Mary read, first of all, we need to understand the word gospel. So I'll play question, what is the gospel? <laughs> Good news. <laughs> Doesn't sound like good news, man, but it's really good news. What's the gospel? If we just change our tone, it'll feel better. What's the gospel? Say it, say it again, Charlie. The first four books of the New Testament 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Thank you. What's the gospel? Love of God. Thanks, Jenny. Freedom. Thank you, whoever said that. Christ in you. Thanks, Greg. Whoa, Scotty. That's what, that which sets the captives free. What's the gospel? <laughs> if you have that Bible, it's, it's where the red is. Words of Jesus. It's a lifestyle. Isn't it awesome how we can all agree on what the gospel is? We are a Christian church. Most of us have been in the church for a long time. We have zero idea what the gospel is, or at least not uh, something we can agree upon. So um, to proclaim the gospel, that's what St. Paul says, an obligation is laid on me, and woe to me if I don't proclaim the gospel. So the word gospel, it's a verb. It's like, woe to me if I don't gospel, if I don't continue gospeling. The Greek word euangelizo, it means to proclaim glad tidings or good news. But it's really a military term. That's how everyone would have heard it in the first century. The gospel, the good news, the euangelizio was something that uh, if, they, if, the Rome, if Rome won a victory, they would send a runner back to the town. Woohoo! We won. It would be good news for the people, right? And people would cheer. Yes, that means we get more stuff going back into our city because they would have looted that town and brought it back and maybe even more servants. And we have more taxes going into our system because now that city is going to pay taxes to Rome. And so it's good news. So first of all, euangelizo really is good news. Something has happened that was good for the people. And the response is yay. Drinks are on the house. Yay! Skull. Good news is usually not associated with skull. But, <laughs> hey, don't, don't boo me. Telling the truth. Um, last week when we announced that Genesis, you guys, we raised $8,200 for Source Ministries who are working to end sex trafficking in Minnesota. When I announced that last week, there was a, because I gave a gospel, I gave a good news. I was good newsing. That's good news. And your immediate response was, yes, that's what the response is when you get good news. In Mark 1.1, which is the gospel that we're in in year B here, we read this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Son of God is a phrase that is, was always used in the first century to describe the emperor of Rome. So, when, when, so by Mark, by him starting his gospel with a military announcement, he's saying we got some good news about a different emperor. Essentially, he's saying this is the beginning of the pronouncement of the military victory of Jesus Christ, the whole victorious holy emperor. That's actually not what he's saying, but that's how people would have heard it. So people would have said what? If you were being oppressed and there is a Messiah that's coming to have victory, you would say, Yes! There's a regime change. There's a shift in power. We're in charge now. But what does that sound like? Dualism. It's the same Aristotle game. Where now there's a new Lord and we're it. We'll find freedom if we can be the Lords. 
And those guys that used to lord it over us will now be our servants. That is when life will be really, really great. And that's how they would have heard that. But then we read and we experience John the Baptist, this bizarre guy who eats locusts and wild honey and baptizes people in the river and says all kinds of mean things about the religious establishment. And then he gets beheaded. Good news. That's the trajectory of this good news. And then Jesus, the Christ, comes, born under questionable circumstances from the wrong town, touching and healing all the wrong people, rejected by religious leaders, and he ends up dying. What does that sound like? Not good news. (laughs) That is bad news. It's bad news. But then we read this in Philippians 2. This is fascinating. Paul is writing to the church about this Christ Jesus. He's saying, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. So then you got to ask, well, what was the mind of Christ Jesus, really? Who, though he was in the form of God, didn't regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him, gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the mind of Christ is that the Lord becomes the servant and subverts the entire system. No more line. That's what the mind of Christ is. No more line. No more you, me, us, them, slave, free, Lord, servant. He combines that. I mean, the Lord of all combines what being a master and being a servant is and essentially is saying the ultimate master will be the ultimate servant. Reminds me of when the children of Israel were stuck in slavery in Egypt for 400 years, and then we read in Exodus 2, toward the end, then God heard their cries and did what? Answered them, came down, rescued them, did what no other God in those times would deign to do, and that is he rescued people. So, Culture war Christianity. You know what I mean by culture war Christianity? What do I mean? When Christians set themselves against culture and say, oh, culture. Woo! They're taking away all our freedoms. But we're going to fight for prayer in schools because that's what we deserve. Because this country was built on Christian principles. Now, it may have been, okay? But... When Christians set themselves up at war against culture, what game are we playing? What game are we playing? We're playing Aristotle's game. And we don't have the mind of Christ. It doesn't matter how things started. If we're playing according to Aristotle's game, we are losing. Amen? Amen? So the gospel is 
the Lord and the servant being combined. And then it's putting on that mind. Meaning what? That's an all play. If I'm to put on the mind of Christ, as St. Paul says in Philippians 2, then what am I to do? Okay, be humble. Servant king. See, Scotty's right. It's not just, well, because I've heard all my life, well, Christians, we just got to sneak underneath the doormat and try to find the lowest possible place underneath the stage. There's a, there's a trap door right here, so if I could open it and just kind of go down as far as I can. And if we just, no, it's, it's really not that. We have an authority and we have a humility. And we carry those two things together. We have the mind of Christ. And that's the gospel. And the reason why we say good news is because we're still kind of stuck in the Aristotle game. But here's the thing that's true. Anything that I would come up with as the gospel, like if I had to come up with it on my own, would be hopelessly selfish. I would make myself Lord and make everybody else servants. And I might even do that by looking like a servant. Do you know what I mean? Like I might look like the, oh, I'm humble. But I'll be so passive aggressive and so mean because you're not serving me in, in return. Um, I need a story and an identity that is bigger than any worldview that I could create. And so Jesus the Christ brings Lord and servant into one person. And that brings me and also all my enemies hope and meaning and transformation. I need forgiveness of sins. I need God with us. I need mercy. And I need to see who God is in the face of Jesus. That's epiphany. So here's an all-play question. What is Christian freedom? Because, again, that's Luther's pamphlet on the freedom of the Christian. What is Christian freedom? Wow. So, anyone care to take that a step further? Freedom from Aristotle's game? living the kind of life where you invite other people into the freedom that you're experiencing because of mercy. Rick, you were saying something? Oh, so Ah, say more, Scott. It's making the line a circle. Say more. Yeah. When you're not looking in the eyes of the people that you're doing life with, right in the eyes, hearing their story, um, listening to the people that disagree with you, setting up extra time to hear the person that is maybe even offending you by what they're saying, by what they're doing, then you will, in your mind anyway, you will, you'll set up a system where you're either the victim or the Lord. And that's both just a no-win game. Nobody wins there. So 1 Corinthians 9, 19, which is part of our text this morning. I'm going to read a few verses in a row. And this is the confusing part that Mary read. 
Paul writes, For I am free with respect to all, though I am free with respect to all, I've also made myself a slave to all, so that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. Those under the law, I became as one, as one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, I'm not free from God's law. I'm under Christ's law so that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I might win the weak. I've become all things to all people, which I was always taught never to do. <laughs> oh, so much unbiblical stuff we get taught that's called biblical. Uh, I become all things to all people so that I might by some means save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, the good news, so that I might share in its blessings. So what is Paul saying here? To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Um, this sounds kind of like a cheesy evangelism strategy, doesn't it? To the Eagles fans, I became an Eagles fan. <laughs> it sounds like marketing, someone said over here. Dan, Scott? Scott's on fire today. Sounds like marketing. Sounds like, you know, hey, I'll pretend to be like you, even though I'm totally not like you because I'm way better than you, but I'll deign to be like you in order to win you. Yuck! But, but that, that, that's what it sounds like, right? I'm going to win you by being like you, even though I'm not like you because I'm better than you, but I'll be like you. I'm not weak, but I'll be weak. Paul has to be saying something else, right? Right? Any guesses? I mean, I have a guess, but I want to hear if you have a guess. He's being present. What do you mean? Yes. Yes. I am going to be face-to-face with you. You're a Jew. I'm a Christian. Hey, we're companions. We're brothers. We're sisters. We can talk to each other. We can hear each other. We can listen to each other. We can learn from each other. Hi. Right. He's not taking those differences as an opportunity to be offended. Hey, you've taken away my freedom. Actually, Christian freedom means I will give you freedom. I will extend to you freedom. I will extend to you freedom to not think the way I do. That's the mind of Christ. I will extend that to you. I will defend nothing. doesn't need to be defended. I think Paul is not thinking, he's transcended tribes. He's transcended either or. He's not being condescending. He has just transcended Aristotle's system. He doesn't play by that anymore. He used to, but now he doesn't. He just doesn't need to. It's not, he has as much as he can as a human being, the mind of Christ, Lord and servant in the same person. Verse 23, the text ends this way. For I, I do this all for the gospel's sake. And this is a different translation. The first translation we read is, I do it all for the sake of the gospel so that I may share in its blessings. A better translation is this. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be a partaker of it with you. So if the gospel is good news, then who does it have to be good news for? It kind of does. Now, it might be bad news before it's good news for you, you know, like, but it's going to be good news when you really understand it. If you're a Lord, if you've been a Lord your whole life, the gospel is going to sound like what? 
at first. Probably bad news, but it will be good news. Now, the word partaker, soon koinoos, means companion, which is neither lord nor servant. We're companions on the journey that partake of the gospel together. Now, I'll play. What do we partake of every week here at the church? What does Eucharist mean? The great thanksgiving. We partake of it. Now, forgive me for being a little pedantic here, but how do we partake of it? Literally. We take it in. How, do we, how does it get literally in, into us? This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink. It is given to you by another human being that you may not agree with. We are partakers of the gospel together. And when we can transcend the Aristotelian game of Lord and servant, we can experience a whole new way of living. Or we don't care what tribe you're in. The offer is, here's the body of Christ broken for you. This is the Lord and servant together in one thing. It's subverting the whole system. Will you receive that? This is a game changer. That's the gospel. The gospel subverts the system and says, in Christ, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, but all are one in Christ. And in case you thought I made that up just then, I mean, that's pretty poetic, right? That's right out of the scriptures. So we're going to move into a minute of silence, inviting God to speak to us. After which time I will read the prayers of response. And then Scott will come up and lead us through the Eucharist. So take 60 seconds, open up your heart, your mind, that Christ might just speak to you. Come Holy Spirit, speak to us now.